Welcome back to Pistons Thoughts. Today is a good day, and I know I'm a little late with this. I was out of town. Don't get too mad at me, but Monty Williams is officially the next coach of our Detroit Pistons. The organization, the fans, everybody, we all got our guy. And yes, it took a record coaching contract to get it done, but ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Six years, over $70 million, and two years of team options with incentives that are said to make this go up to $100 million of a contract for Monty Williams. This is crazy. It is a record-breaking coaching contract. It is a massive commitment from Tom Gore's ownership. Whoever's paying this, it's not us. It doesn't count against the cap. Tom Gore's came through. He stepped in at the last minute. I know Tom gets a ton of crap for living in L.A., just like me, by the way. But Stan Van Gundy, Dwayne Casey, Monty Williams, he has not been afraid to break out the big checkbook from his Malibu mansion and get the hire that makes the most sense at the time, or at least the biggest name. Now, I'm not here to defend Tom and say he's made all the right decisions, but you cannot deny that the man is willing to spend money. Rumor has it, and always has, that he'd be willing to go into the luxury tax for a playoff team. So... Moral of the story, the Pistons got their guy, Tom Gores was willing to shell out some cash, and Monty Williams, you are a Detroit Piston. Now, there are some skeptics, and I get it. Monty and the Suns have been blown out in the last two playoffs against the Mavericks, then against the Nuggets. Now, I will say that I do not think that he deserves most or even that much blame for this time around because if you were watching, if you remember, he had Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, basically a shell of a team. They didn't get the job done. It was a pretty embarrassing blowout loss to close out the series, but I think it's important to note that he had a shell of a team. Now, if you want to point to his relationship with DeAndre Ayton, that's a whole other story. Those are the red flags. Those are the concerns. Totally warranted, but at the same time, there is so much more upside to the Monty Williams hiring than downside. Let me rewind a few years. Monty Williams takes over a 19-win Suns team. Now, just for reference, the Pistons are coming off a 17-win season. In his first season as coach, the Suns jumped up a massive leap up to 34 games. The next season, they won 51. Granted, that next season, they did have Chris Paul, made the NBA Finals. Monty was a huge part of that. Yeah, Devin Booker took steps forward. Yeah, so did Mikael Bridges, DeAndre Ayton. You bring in Chris Paul. All winning gets fun. Monty Williams is the most winningest coach in the NBA in the last few years. I am so excited to have him aboard to take this team out of a rebuild, whether it's this season or next season. But moral of the story is I'm expecting more wins this year. I don't know how many more, but it's going to get more fun. We're going to have more of a competent basketball team on the floor, and I'm so excited we got our guy. It is going to be interesting to see how Monty fills out the coaching staff, but the first big hire and the first hire in general was bringing in former Rockets coach Steven Silas. Now, some people are like, oh, Steven Silas, didn't him and the Rockets lose a ton of games the last few seasons and it just wasn't looking good in any way, shape, or form? Yeah, that's the Steven Silas I'm talking about. And look, it very obviously did not work out as the head coach of the Houston Rockets for him. But 
it's tough to put all or even that much blame on him. Looking back in that search, he was everyone was really excited and thought this was a great hire. Look, he has 20 plus years of assistant coach experience under his father, the late Paul Silas, Don Nelson, Steve Clifford, and you know, someone the Pistons know very well, Rick Carlisle, and he was a big part of the offensive scheming in Luca's first couple seasons. He slides back into a role that he's excelled at. And I, I'm really excited about this, and I think he's a great addition to the Monty Williams staff. Also important to note that he was brought into that Houston system with the expectation of coaching Russell Westbrook and James Harden. Then it immediately blew up, turned into a complete rebuild, bit of a dysfunctional roster, and it, it, it was just all bad. He never had control of the locker room. Whatever the case may be, didn't work out. Tough to put much blame on him, but facts are the facts. It wasn't a good three-year stint for him. But, again, he slides back into a role he has excelled at over the last 20 seasons before he was a coach. Monty Williams immediately raises the floor of this team, in my opinion, and can absolutely unlock and develop some of the young guys. I mean, he did a great job with Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Devin Booker, even DeAndre Ayton did take steps. And, you know, we wanted DeAndre last year before we got Jalen Duren. Glad we didn't end up getting him, and I'm glad we ended up getting Jalen Duren. But Monty has a history of development. And I know a lot of people could also be like, yeah, so did Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey was the coach of the year coming into Detroit. Why is this different? Well, I'll tell you this. Monty, much more modern philosophies and schemes offensively and defensively. Monty has been to the NBA Finals very recently. Again, the last two seasons didn't end well for Monty and the Suns, but two years removed from the NBA Finals, three years removed from taking a 19-win team, turning them into 34. So that's where it's different. Monty raises the floor and can unlock some potential in the young guys, and I expect him to. So, coaching talk out of the way. Here's the thing. At the end of the day, the ceiling still, in my humble opinion, moves almost entirely with Cade. This all depends on if, and I believe the answer is yes, call me biased, whatever, that's just my opinion. I think he can unlock the superstar potential and take the leap. But again, the team moves with Cade. Obviously, Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran can have a lot to say about that as well. But you bring in Monty, you got Ivey, Duran, top five pick, a lot of cap space. I think this team goes as far as Cade takes them. Obviously, everybody else needs to play their part as well. But I think in terms of absolute ceiling, it moves with Cade. So we're a few weeks after the draft lottery, a few weeks to go until the NBA draft, actually 16 days as of the timing of this recording. And the Pistons have already made the biggest splash of the offseason by hiring Monty Williams, as I've mentioned 30 times now, the record-breaking coaching contract. You know, a lot of people are asking also, who does this help the most? Who does this hurt the most? I think immediately the first answers are the guards. Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, and, you know, who you guys like to hate on, Killian Hayes. I mean, if Killian Hayes turns into a campaign type as as Monty had in Phoenix, I think you all are going to be pretty happy. And I know it's not what we wanted when we drafted him, but the reality of the situation is if he can turn into a really good contributing backup point guard who can slide in and start games for various reasons or scenarios, I think we're going to be very happy with that. Now you look at guys like a James Wiseman or even a Marvin Bagley, some of the bigs, you know, who aren't as good at quick decision making. 
might be a little bit hurt by this hire, but I really think Monty's going to do his best to unlock these guys and put them in situations that they'll thrive in. Now, I don't know that Wiseman and Bagley will both be here to start the season. I would honestly kind of put money on Bagley not being here. I don't see why they move Wiseman unless there's someone that really wants him and gives you something for him. I think you can ride the Wiseman experiment out another year. He definitely showed flashes. And with Bagley... I really do like Bagley. He just can't stay on the floor, stay healthy. So that's just, you just got to cut your losses with that bigger contract. But I think the guards are immediately helped. You know, someone like Isaiah Stewart could also be helped. I mean, he is a pretty quick decision maker. And if he could stretch the floor consistently, sort of like he did last year, I think he's in a good spot. So that's my quick rundown on who gets helped and hurt by Monty being here. It'll be interesting to see how free agency goes. We have a lot of time to go before that. But, you know, maybe he's able to lure in some some previous connection veterans on some low deals to fill out the roster. So let's just look ahead to the draft for a second. I know my last episode was almost strictly about the draft, and I think I will probably do another episode or two as smoke screens come up. Like the news today is that the Hornets are zeroed in essentially on Brandon Miller. I don't know that I buy it, but at the same time, I don't really see why they would be talking like that and leaking that information if it wasn't necessarily true or potentially true. You would think that they would leak that they're really interested in Scoot and they're going to make it work with LaMelo to try and coax Portland or whoever else into trading up to get that pick. But I'm not the Hornets front office. They've been pretty historically bad at this, so it'll be interesting. But as smoke screens heat up, as trade rumors heat up, which they will in the next couple of weeks, again, we're 16 days out from the NBA draft. As that all heats up, as news starts coming out, I'll do more episodes and talk more about the draft. But... Something that I think is maybe overlooked is the 31 pick that the Pistons have. That's essentially a first round pick. I mean, it is the first pick of the second round. So if any single player that's projected to go in the first round slips at any point in the draft, that likely pushes some first round projected pick into the 31st, 32nd spot. I think that's an undervalued, maybe underappreciated asset by the fan base, hopefully not by the front office, either as a pick or a trade asset. Whether you want to move up, whether you want to do a deal where you maybe trade that plus something plus the fifth pick to Orlando for six and 11 or something like that. I know a lot of people are like, you don't want to load up on more young guys and more lottery talent and whatever. You're like, it's time to win. I get it. But as I mentioned in this draft, if some of those guys projected in the four to 10 range, if any of them fall to 10 or 11 I just think it'd be a good idea, depending on who you grab at five, to grab someone else at 11 or 10 if you can trade into that spot. And I think the avenue to do that is someone like Boyan Bogdanovich, or even eating up cap space, or even trading that 31 pick, plus eating up cap space, plus Boyan, or whatever the case may be. I think some combination of those assets that you have should be dangled if one of your guys falls to 9, 10, 11, 12, whatever the case may be. And I think you can fill out the roster with veterans, but I really like this draft. I really like the the mid-late lottery talent. So all of this rambling is to say, do not forget about the 31st pick that the Pistons have, and let's let's see what happens with that. Again, whether it be a trade dangle or whether it be someone that they pick as a borderline first-round pick. Now, a lot of things can and will change by the time free agency opens up, let alone by the time the draft happens, but I'm going to look at a couple possible free agents just looking ahead as to, to keep in the back of your mind as we go into the draft. 
make trades, make picks, whatever we're doing in the next few weeks. My only priority, and I would hope is essentially Troy's only priority, is getting competent wings who can play both sides of the ball. That is what we've been lacking for so long, and those are the glue wings or pieces that are going to help make this an actual NBA roster. We're done with the two big experiments, I think. I mean, maybe Wiseman Bagley off the bench. I think you can get away with that off the bench. But in terms of starting or Stewart and Wiseman or Bagley or whatever the combination is. But I think in terms of your starting lineup, it needs to be Cade, Ivy, Wing, Wing, Duran. And maybe Boyan Bogdanovich is one of those wings. And I don't mind that as long as you pair him with someone who can play defense. But what I'm looking at in free agency, and again, it's I don't know that it is or isn't contingent on who you draft because you draft a Cam Whitmore or a Jairus Walker. I don't think that the plan necessarily changed, or at least my free agency plan. But you're looking at guys like Jeremy Grant, Cam Johnson, who I don't know that you're going to be able to pry away from Brooklyn without like a massive offer or overpay or like max contract, which obviously is not, you know, going to get from the Pistons, hopefully. But guys like that or guys like Harrison Barnes, you know, who maybe you can pry away from Sacramento with the right offer, going to cost less than Jeremy Grant and Cam Johnson, I think. But that sort of depends, you know, if the Kings are just like, look, we got Keegan Murray now, like we're good on Harrison. Or if the Kings are like, let's run this back, bolster the roster a little bit around the edges and just run it back. Because, you know, if Darren Fox didn't get hurt, I think they move on to the next round at least. So we'll see what happens with the Harrison Barnes market, even if Jeremy Grant stays in Portland or leaves or whatever the case may be. And then I think, and I've always liked Kelly Oubre, I think he'd be a great shorter term option. You can overpay him for a year or two. You know, you can give him a big two-year contract. And honestly, that's kind of how I feel about all of these guys. I don't want to pay these guys much more than two years. But Kelly Oubre is someone who can come in, fill that spot, and, you know, he would he would be more of a shorter-term option here. But the wing market isn't terrible. I, I don't think you're going to find, unless you're getting a Cam Johnson here, I don't think you're going to find your long-term wing in this free agency class. But I think there are a handful of good options here, even someone like Torrey Craig, who you can just plug in this year, maybe next year, and actually form NBA lineups that can compete and win games. And have wings who are big-bodied who can get you some stops and buckets. So again, as I've mentioned, lots can and will change by the time the season starts. And I know talking about expectations for next year should be reserved for, you know, when the season is about to start, after the draft, trades, free agency, all that. But it's only natural. Monty's coming in. Again, you can compare that 19-win Suns team he took over to the Pistons right now. It's only right and fun to think about what if the Pistons can make a 17 to 32 win jump just like that Suns team did. And I'm not saying it's out of the question. I'm not saying to expect it. But I think it's important to note some context of how the Pistons ended up a 17 win team. Cade Cunningham, your best player on a rebuilding team, plays 12 games. 15% of the season just about. That's a pretty big reason the Pistons only won 17 games. But on top of that, they shut down their best player this season in Boyan Bogdanovich about a month and a half before the season was over and played him pretty sparingly the week or two leading up to that. He ends up playing 59 games. Take away those two guys last year and Jaden Ivey essentially becomes your best player. He's a rookie. It took him a few months to really get his footing. That's kind of the way it goes with rookies. 
Throw all that together with the fact that this roster was not built with winning in mind. There were months of the too big experiment. There was a period of Isaiah Stewart being your starting center. While I love Stu off the bench in that super big role, he's not a starting center. You start Wiseman over Durin essentially as an experiment, but mainly just seeing what you got in Wiseman because you essentially know what you have in Durin this early on. Mix all that together and you get a 17-win season. I said this before, but I mean, it's it's impressive that you don't start looking competitive until you get a 10-day contract guy like Eugene Omarui, and then you start looking competitive because he fits the archetype or the build of an NBA wing that you've been playing without the entire season. Now imagine what happens when you go get actual starting NBA caliber wings, plug them in with a healthy Cade, with Duran starting, with Ivy taking another step. It starts to get a bit more exciting than the 17-win team we just suffered through. But, important to note, I'm not saying I'm expecting a 17 to a 32-plus win jump. But it does feel like the baseline shouldn't necessarily be 17 wins when you look at all the context. I know, when it's all said and done, the Pistons will be going from a 17-win team to whatever they end up winning. But again, very important to note the context, and by all accounts... Troy Weaver and the Pistons are sort of going to aim to be competing in that playing spot, and hopefully solidly in the playoffs the season following. If Cade is healthy, Duran Ivy take an expected year two leap, Troy builds a team that Monty can put NBA lineups on the floor with, it's kind of easy to think about how much of a leap this team can actually make. And obviously a good chunk of that is ifs and buts, and we need to see how the draft and free agency play out. But with the winningest coach in the NBA the last few years in charge, it's pretty exciting to look forward to next season. Healthy Cade, Jaden Ivey year two, Jalen Duran year two, number five pick if they keep it. $30 million in cap space that can go quick, but still $30 million in cap space. Former NBA coach of the year who was in the finals two years ago. We got a fun summer ahead, and this could lead to a fun season, hopefully. I say this almost every year that it could be a fun season and it really hasn't been lately. So I am hoping that this year I'm right. (laughs) 